You're listening to the regular podcast from Pete the Vet's blog. This was first broadcast on East Coast FM. Pete Weatherburn is here, our vet from Bray Vet, Old Connor in Bray, and his website, PeteTheVet.com. He's also on TV3, writes for the Wicklow People newspapers and the Daily Telegraph. You're very welcome, Pete. Thanks for coming in to Good us morning. today. Good morning. Nice to talk to you. And uh, um, talking to the doggy, I, I, you know, the doggy, of course, understands English and you can go to on your holidays to Spain or Portugal or whatever, and you notice that the dog understands Portuguese and Spanish. Spanish as well. The dogs are fantastic, aren't they? They're really, uh, you know, linguists. Um, Do you know what? They can speak, they can understand different languages, because I often have um, foreign um, clients of mine who are are from other countries, and so, for example, they might speak the dog in French all the time, or in Polish, or whatever, and the dog... Obey, obeys commands in those languages, obviously. So, but it, isn't it tonal and a sound rather than language? Um, it probably is, and repetition of the same thing. But that's what language is, really, isn't it? The same tones and sounds and repetition of the same that thing. That means you say same. sit all the time. Sit sounds different than out, doesn't it? Or does it of to course a dog? It does. Yeah, of course it does. But yes. is that only to our ear, or is it to a dog? No, dog don't, hear it's uh, the be, same. Be, if, if it's the same tone and the same sort of expression, would that be interchangeable in the dog's head or would there be a difference? Well, um, there's some really interesting research just being done actually by some French scientists and I think this stuff is fascinating where they've analysed how people speak to dogs. And they started off with the, with the premise that it's known, it's well recognised that humans speak to babies in a certain way that's different to a normal way. They, what they do is they modulate their voice more and they extend, make the, the consonants more pronounced and they extend the vowels. So you might go, oh, you're a lovely little baby. You know, that kind of thing. And they discovered that, that, um, that what they analysed um, women's brain waves when they were talking to babies like that. And then they analysed the same woman's brain waves when they talked to their dogs. And what they discovered was that women, and they just chose women, it could have been men as well, they talked to their dogs in exactly the same way as they talked to babies, and the same brain pattern happens in the woman. And they don't really know why this is, but they discovered it anyway. And um, they, they went on to... Well, the, 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 what they suggest, the hypothesis is that we, um, first of all, that we treat dogs as part of our family. And a study in the States, a big study in the States, showed that 80% of Americans with pets call themselves pet parents. They actually see themselves as mommy and daddy of the animal. Now, we haven't got that extreme in Ireland yet, you know. <laughs> uh, thank goodness, uh, I think. I mean, if the, if the dogs are probably saying to themselves, look at this lot here. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no doubt that we do see them as part of our family. So, so, so basically, as far as we're concerned, it's like we're talking to um, uh, one of our children. And furthermore, the scientists reckon that it's something that we do when, when, when the, the, the creature or the... the person or whatever you want to call it, the sentient being that we're talking to doesn't have speech, then we tend to use baby language. And I think if you think about it, when if you're talking to somebody overseas um, who doesn't understand you... You keep repeating yeah, it at you the same keep, time. You kind of go more slowly. <laughs> I said... <laughs> I, <laughs> As if they could translate easier yeah, and when, when the can. incomprehensible words are said <laughs> slower. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so from our perspective, from the human perspective, that's probably why we speak in baby language because baby speech, because 
we because we're on this we see them as young members of our family and also because they they can't speak and that's what we do when people can't understand us but the second thing is what the scientists analyzed and this is really interesting they analyzed did it make any difference to the dog so if you say to the dog oh you're a really good little boy aren't you or if you said you're a good boy aren't you does it make any difference to the way they interact with you yes and what they discovered was that it makes a big difference to puppies puppies engage with you more and pay more attention to you if you speak in a baby voice when it comes to adult dogs it makes no difference at all you can speak in a baby voice all you like or you can speak in a normal voice they still pay as much attention to you now why this is really interesting is because it emphasizes how different puppy brains are to adult brains and we already know that we already know that between the age of four weeks and 14 weeks for that puppy period it's a great time to introduce dogs to new things in life such as um, um, different types of people like men wearing hats men with beards women with long hair um, all sorts of ages of children people with walking sticks people with um, zimmer frames um, noises like the hoover the vacuum cleaner uh, the microwave whatever it's uh, if you introduce puppies to those things when they're that age um, then they, they get familiar with them very quickly and they're completely unfazed when they meet them as adults. Whereas they're not exposed to those things, they grow up being spooked by things. There was an interesting study done on, on, on animals' fear of fireworks. They discovered that dogs that were puppies during the period of a firework time, such as around Halloween, they're much less likely to be frightened of fireworks than dogs that are born in different times of year. So in other words, there's this golden period when dogs get used to things. And... Um, and why that's significant is if you're buying a puppy, you should buy a puppy from a home where puppies have been really well socialized, mixing with family, um, being exposed to all sorts of normal things in daily life. And that is one of the reasons why puppy farms don't work. Because if a puppy grows up in a shed with no contact with anybody other than their litter mates and the mother dog, then they're going to grow up as animals that are easily spooked and frightened of things, and sometimes they're aggressive then because they're frightened. So that's why puppy farms don't work, and that's why you should buy puppies rather from a puppy farm, buy them from a family home. Um, and um, so that's kind of, kind of a long conclusion from puppy speech, but um, it all ties together, you see. Puppies' brains are different to adult dogs' brains, and these French scientists have just proved it. Right. Okay. Thanks for that, Pete. <laughs> now, talking to your dog. Yes. Uh, is it talking to to dogs? The psychology of a dog, presumably, is you know they seem to be always searching for food, even if they've just eaten or whatever. It seems to be whatever. Uh, yes. You know, and they want to go out for a walk and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the psychology of a dog. Um, do they know the difference between being talked to? for the sake of being talked to and given instruction? Well, I, I think that they, they're much more like us than you'd think, really. So they learn, and the two big joys of life in dogs' lives are um, those two things that you said, which are food and play. And play usually means going for a walk. They love those things. And interestingly, some dogs are motivated more by one than the other. There are some dogs... That, like one of our dogs absolutely loves food and she'll do anything for food you just look at her and raise a finger and she'll sit she'll look up at you and you raise two fingers and she'll lie down and she'll do anything for food um, the other dog is not really interested in food but take out her bowl and she's yours she'll look at the bowl and she'll stare at the bowl and she'll look at you and you say sit and she'll sit she'll do anything for the bowl so you know um, different dogs are motivated by different things so 
how they behave, how they react to speech depends on how you're motivating them. If there's nothing to motivate them, you know, if, if you're just talking randomly, kind of like I'm talking just now, well, not quite randomly, but do you know what I mean? If you're talking speech as in a conversation, well, they're not really going to pay attention because that's not very interesting for them because they can't understand the specific words, whatever people may think. But if you're talking to them with the hint of a reward at the other end of the speech, such as staying, saying sit and stay when you've got a little treat in your hand, or saying something to them when you've got the ball in your hand, whatever motivates them, then they will certainly pay attention. Right, yeah. okay. <laughs> How do you train a dog to give back the ball? I mean, it's... It's it, tricky sometimes. Yeah, yeah, because they see the game as sort of getting the ball, and then when they got the ball, that's it, that's good, you know. <laughs> and then they're sort of trying to figure out, it's not fun anymore because they have the ball, but they don't sort of go into the next stage where if they release the ball back to you, it's more fun going to look for it. The kind of thing you have to do is, I mean, like, dog training is really about repetition, 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 consistently, consistently, to the point of utter boredom on your part, but it teaches the dog. So what you're meant to do is you're meant to basically get the dog to do something Accident, catch the dog doing something accidentally, like dropping the ball, and then immediately reward the board, b- dog. So, if your dog's rewarded by chasing the ball, as soon as they drop the ball, pick it up and throw it. And then they'll learn quickly that if they drop the ball near you, you'll pick it up and throw it. So they'll keep on doing it. And you can then combine that, well, clicker training is a good way of doing it, where you actually have a clicker in your hand. It's like a little plastic device that goes click when you press it. And what you do is you use that to exactly identify the moment a dog does something. So, for example, as soon as the dog drops the ball, you press the click, and then you throw the ball. And then they will start to, they start to associate the click with having done the right thing. And so then they, they, you can actually, you can time, get them to do exactly what you want by, by doing that, by, by making the click when they do something precisely that you want. That's how they train animals for movies and so on. And actually, that's how they train zoo animals now as well. They train zoo animals quite a lot, not for fun, but to make veterinary procedures more easy. For example, if you want to take blood sample from, a, from, a, um, from an ape, um, you know, it's quite difficult. But if you can train them to, to put their hand out like this or something, then it makes it much easier. So animals are trained now in the zoo, and, and all sorts of animals, like sea lions and elephants... Um, for different reasons, they're trained for for practical reasons to to make their care easier. They're trained to do what could be called tricks, but which are really more accurately described as specific behaviours. Right. Okay. They love being tickled on their tummies, don't they? <laughs> don't we all, Declan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right then. Okay, so now, Declan, <laughs> you've been a very good boy. And I'm going to go away now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Anything coming up in the um, calendar for pets at this uh, time of the year? Um, I, I, I don't really think so. This is a kind of quiet time of year for, for pets. The big issue, I suppose, is the cold weather. Um, and, um, you know, you have to think about animals can't choose to keep themselves warm. You have to choose for them, really. So... You know, if you're taking a little pet out, just be aware of the fact they'll get chilled, just like you'll get chilled. It's the time to go and get a little coat for them. Yeah. (laughs) If they're that type of dog. Not for every dog. Yeah, some of them don't like wearing these things. Some of them can't stand it. They just sit down. But little animals, especially small dogs, because they've got a greater surface area to body weight ratio, it means that they lose weight 
lose heat much more easily than bigger dogs, and so they get cold much more easily. So little dogs, especially little dogs with very short coats, like chihuahuas, they don't just wear those jackets for fashion, they wear them because they need them because they get so cold otherwise. <laughs> All right, Pete Weatherburn, right. our vet, and uh, you can hear our broadcast again on Pete's website, which is petethevet.com, and uh, you can find Pete then on Old Connor, where Bray Vet is. Thanks very much indeed, Pete. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. Enjoy the weekend.